Good morning. How's everybody doing? Yeah, good, good, good. All right, all right. As we roll into, uh, into holiday season here, uh, we are continuing on telling Sunday school stories. And uh, we are rapidly nearing the end of the year in all of our Sunday school storytelling. Uh, is anybody going to miss the flannel graph board come New Year? <laughs> all right. People like it. Good, good. Okay, so we are going to be talking about... This dude today, which uh, this is our uh, flannel graph version of uh, King David. And there are a lot of things that uh, King David was really great at. And uh, today is not going to be one of those stories. Uh, and so this we're going to have, you got to imagine uh, the flannel graph is a little, um, you know, you got to make do with what they made. And so I want you to imagine scale a little better here. But so one day, David, here he is out on top of the kingdom, looking out over the whole thing. And he's up on the wall there and he's, he's glancing out. And um, he happens to see this woman. And her name is Bathsheba. Right. Um, now, interestingly, in the flannel graph board world, they skipped this story. <laughs> they didn't make flannel grass for Bathsheba because what Bathsheba was actually doing was not standing there in her uh, regular clothes. She was actually taking a bath uh, and she was bathing herself and David caught a glance of it and he liked what he saw. And uh, he knew that at the time he should have probably just looked away and gone on with life, uh, but he didn't. Instead, what he did was he had her summoned, right? So he said, send her up here. They went and got her. She comes face to face with the king. And of course, when you come face to face with the king, you've got no other option but to do what the king wants you to do. So David, and there was great debate between Dee and I this morning on how I was going to betray this, portray this on uh, the flannel graph board. Uh, I had some other things prepared. She vetoed them. So we're just going to do it verbally. David said, hey, I'm into you, and uh, I think you're into me. And I think maybe she uh, probably wasn't, but she couldn't say that. She had zero power in the situation. And so they ended up sleeping together, uh, most likely against her will. And then he sent her off. He did his thing, was done with it. Turns out there's an issue uh, because she ends up being pregnant, right? And he knows, he knows that it's his and he knows that it's his because her husband, Uriah, was one of his greatest soldiers and he was off at war. And so it couldn't have been Uriah's. And so he says, uh-oh, what do I got to do? I've got to cover this up. I'm in trouble now. There are some consequences to my actions, but that's okay. I can control the consequences of the actions. So he says, gives an order. He says, I want, I want Uriah brought back from the battlefield. So Uriah shows up. He's like, yes, king, you, you ordered me here. He says, yeah, I've heard you've been doing great things. Uh, what I want you to do is I want you to take a break off of the battlefield. Go home, visit your wife. Because according uh, to David's line of thinking, he thought, well, if he went home, him and his wife would have uh, marital relations, and then uh, nobody would know that it wasn't his kid. Of course, Uriah was too good of a man for that because he knows he should have been out on the battlefield. And so he refused to go in and visit his wife while the rest of his men were out fighting. He slept out on the doorstep. <laughs> so David says, oh, no, this isn't good. 
This is uh, messing up my plan. So he brought Uriah back. Uriah's like, okay, I had a night off. Can you send me back to the battlefield? He's like, no, 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 one more night. This time he gets him nice and drunk. He's like, surely if he's drunk, he's gonna uh, not be so um, valiant in the way that he is approaching uh, his men out at war and his responsibilities. But once again, Uriah didn't go in with his wife. So David's like, all right, what am I gonna do? I gotta get rid of this guy now. And so he sends him out to the battlefield and he gives an order. Go to the front where the fighting is the most fierce. And then drop back and leave Uriah there to be killed. Now, as culture has changed over the years, um, there are things that used to be only for specific groups of people. Uh, but that, is, that has changed. There are things that used to only be for men and things that used to only be um, for women. You, men used to be the only ones that worked and brought home money and women would stay home and take care of the house and society has changed and that's just not the way uh, anymore that things, that things go. And, and there are some aspects um, in which that progress and progress in so many other areas is is incredible and is way past due and still needs more work. There are the other aspects that that opens up other issues that then have to be confronted. And so there are things that used to be specific issues to certain subsets of groups that are now more universal issues. And the principles that we're going to talk about today are actually one of those because we're not going to probably go in the exact direction that you would think we would go with this story. Um, but roles have changed and everyone is now subject to some very negative influences and traditions that are being handed down to us. And they're being handed down to us from several different areas within our lives. We, we live in a culture, and, and, and to be honest, some of the idea of what I'm going to talk about today um, is an extension of last week. When I talked about how, you know, we all cheat somewhere and don't cheat with your family was my big, uh, was my big takeaway from that. Um, I was going to flesh this out just a little bit to talk about how and why and ways we can avoid it today. Because um, we live in a culture that actually will reward us for abandoning our responsibilities and our roles with our families. Right? You'll make more money if you work harder, if you work longer, uh, which means you'll make more money if you stay away from your family longer. Um, you're paid higher salaries if you agree to travel for work um, and do those things, which uh, takes you away from home more. Financially, uh, the expectation on us from culture uh, is to take on as much debt as possible. Uh, th there are certain things that are just structurally, when you talk about things being structurally set up, um, one of those things that absolutely amazes me is that somehow um, with our whole credit reporting system and the way all that stuff is monitored. Um, they've convinced us that debt is good <laughs> and that it's something that we have to get ourselves into um, in order to be worthy of credit. It's a weird, weird system that it's got going on, but it, it puts us into people that are going into as much debt as possible and that, that affects, that determines our lifestyle. Relationally, um, you know, most of us, if we're honest, we are not rewarded for good relationships, right? We get, we get, we get promoted when we're working, when we're at work, we get promoted um, on our devotion to our job, right? Not on how good our relationship is with our family. Uh, when it comes to other relationship and sexual issues, uh, our standards are set by 
television and movies and other things that are going on within culture that causes so many people to have so many ideas of what should and shouldn't be. And these things often are wildly uh, unrealistic. Uh, everywhere you turn, you're, you're, you're being pushed away from commitment as a spouse, as a parent, um, pushing away from things that uh, you said you would never get away from, pushing you towards things that you swore maybe you would never get pushed toward. And other than maybe a few friends uh, and hopefully uh, church when you come and join us on a Sunday morning, there aren't many places within culture that you can go where you are being pushed in the right direction. There's just not very many. And then at the same time, you add to that what you grew up with. Because we all grew up with, whether they were intentionally passed down or not, we all grew up with traditions. And some of you may have had just absolutely wonderful parents that you're like, if I could only be as good as my parent, that's the way it, you know, I would love. But some of you had parents maybe who seemed to, at every opportunity, chose to intentionally do the wrong thing. That it seems like every time there was a choice, they chose poorly. That's the relationship some of us grew up with. And you had everything uh, that you're taught with everything culture was pushing you towards. And it's no wonder there are so many breakdowns that happen within families today. And then, and then, and then you come to the Bible and you read what the Bible says about family and about relationships and about how you're supposed to do things. And, and, and you, you look at it and you think, I'm so sure. Like, what? that is not realistic at all. That does not work in the culture that we're living in. I mean, I hear the teach, preacher talk about it, but I have my suspicions that he doesn't even do it either. Which I'll be honest, when I talk about things, I talk about things in the way things should be, not the way I have things mastered. So you're right. There are times that I talk about things that I haven't even been able to really figure out how to do it too well myself. Right, but uh, you know, beyond me, you, you read some of these things, you're like, I don't think anybody does that stuff. It's unrealistic, it's impractical. Some of the things seem absolutely impossible. And even if I tried to be that type of spouse or if I tried to be that type of parent, what is the reward? What is the reward? We won't be rewarded at work for putting in that extra time at home, right? For many of us, the way our current relationship is, maybe we might think I might not even be rewarded at home for trying to put in the extra work. And who wants to wait till they're dead to be rewarded if God's gonna reward me in some afterlife afterwards for doing the things? I mean, who wants to wait for that, right? But the fact is, is that, that traditions and, and things that are handed down to us in our families and the things that culture hands down to us have made it difficult to have successful families. It just is. So today, I, I want to look at three things that have been maybe handed down to us or that we are pushed towards that wreak havoc in our lives, but we don't have to accept these things as just the way that things operate. And we can make the conscious decision to not take those things and turn and hand them down to the next generation. So the scriptural account of this story uh, that we started at is in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 11, if you have... Uh, Bibles with us. They're going to follow along on your phone. And there are many ways that David was a role model. And this story is not it. <laughs> right? This is the flip side. Uh, David was a great king most of the time. Uh, he established uh, temple worship. He put God at the center uh, of Jewish life. But at home, 
and in his relationships, David was a mess and he failed horribly, absolutely horribly. And today I'm gonna focus more on application of what we can take from this more than the breakdown of the scripture and study of it itself. Um, So I encourage you go back and read this full story later. But, But here's the first thing that is handed down to us that we have to fight against that we that we find in this story. And that is rebelling against authority. And it might not make sense right away. I'm thinking, wait, David was the king. He was the authority. How is he rebelling about him against himself? Um, but when I say rebelling against authority, here's what I'm talking about. That is deciding that the rules are for someone else. That is rebelling against authority. Another way to phrase it is this, uh, is that you feel like you can break the rules and then control the consequences. There is something inside of us that seems to naturally be there that says the rules aren't for me. They are for everyone else. And here's where David meets this idea. Chapter 11, verse one, in the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, which is odd to me for two reasons. One, everybody was at war enough that there was a season. <laughs> it's war season. Like, better get ready for it. Spring's coming up. We're going off to war. But two, but two is this. I mean, starting out right away, David's in trouble because his army was off to war and David wasn't with him, which is where the king normally is. And so David's in trouble right away because he's not where he is supposed to be. So David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. And they destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Ravah, but David remained in Jerusalem, again, where he should not have been. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around the roof of the palace. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. And then David sent messengers to get her and she came to him and he slept with her. And when she had purified herself, she went back home. And there's a whole lot in verse four that they just kind of gloss over real quick that we could spend a lot of time unpacking and another time we might. But verse five, the woman conceived and sent word to David saying, I am pregnant. So here's David, all high and lofty, Uh, both in a metaphorical sense as the king and in a physical sense as he's on the roof of the palace above everyone, looking down at everyone. And he decided that rules did not apply to him. I'm the king, so I don't have to go to war. That rule doesn't apply to me. If I want a beautiful woman, I can have her. The rule of uh, respecting another man's wife or respecting a woman doesn't apply to me. Uh, if there are consequences, I can control them. I'm above those consequences. I have the wealth, I have the power, I have the ability to control them. And listen, there is an element of this within all of us. We are all susceptible to this. That voice inside of us that says laws and rules are for other people. Um, Never is this more evident than when people are behind the wheel of a vehicle. <laughs> I, if you ask my boys <laughs> how mad I get at other cars that aren't following the rules of the road. <laughs> oh man, I get so angry. 
And then there's a lot of times where I'm like, oh, well, I can just do this. <laughs> now, the rule of the road isn't for me. It's for everybody else. <laughs> and it's the worst as a parent. It's the worst when they're old enough to start knowing the rules and catch on to it. And then they call you out. <laughs> All right. Any parents been called out by kids uh, on any of your rule breaking? Yeah, they love to do it. You've never called him out on a rule breaking? Come on. You're just not watching close enough because I'm sure he's breaking some rules. <laughs> but we get this. This is inside of all of us, right? And, and, and then besides, if I were to get caught, I can control the consequence. And so we move outside of the boundaries of laws sometimes, although minor laws, hopefully, mostly. But we move outside the boundaries of ethics, we get outside the boundaries of morality. And listen, this is not a new story that's unique to any one of you individually. This is mankind, humankind, all people share this thing, right? And here's the trick to this tradition as it's handed down to us, is that the more money that you have, and the more position or the more power that you obtain, the greater your ability comes becomes to be able to manipulate the circumstances and the consequences. And the thing that makes this idea of this that's passed down to us that we you know, can be above law or can control circumstances, the thing that makes it so deceiving is that many times uh, we are successful in controlling the circumstances and get away with things. We just do. And the more that we do it and the more we get uh, away with stuff, the more and more that starts to become a habit and a lifestyle within us that we think we can just do what we want and figure out a way to get out of it. And here's the problem, and this is the problem that David learned the hard way, is that when you sow those seeds of rebellion, many times the crop, what grows up or what results from that, doesn't come up in the vicinity of where you sowed the seeds, it pops up somewhere else. And it's a strange phenomenon, the way that it happens. The results of those seeds that you sow tend to show up in relationships that didn't seem to be connected to anywhere close to where you did the thing that you originally did. Right? See, for David in his situation, there, there were no social or political or uh, economic consequences to David's act of stealing another man's wife and then eventually killing that man. The consequences did not pop up in any of those areas. Right? There was no movement to overthrow him as king. There were no charges brought against him. He didn't lose any money or influence or power because of it. He didn't have any of those consequences. He handled that aspect and those consequences perfectly because of his position and of his power. But relationally, it sowed seeds of dysfunction in his family that he spent the rest of his life paying for and would eventually split the kingdom of Israel. It led to divisions within his family. It led to tragic deaths of several of his children, all from this one singular act of rebellion. And listen, as a pastor, I have seen this many times, that families pay the consequences for things that are done outside of the home that otherwise don't carry any other consequences outside of the home. Right? And I've watched as this tradition has been 
practiced by people and handed down to their children for their children to start acting in this same way. And there are always relational consequences when you choose to act as if the rules don't apply to you. So if this is something that you struggle with, that you find yourself skirting that line of ethics and morality, choose to break that tradition. Refuse to hand it down to the next generation. Second thing I want to look at that gets handed down is this. Concealing your mistakes at all costs. No matter what you have to do, don't let on to anybody else that you messed up. Anybody guilty of this? (laughs) Right? Don't let anybody else know that you messed up. Don't let anybody else know that something's wrong. Of course, that's exactly what David did in this situation. Here it is, verse six. So David sent this word to Joab. Send me Uriah the Hittite. And so Joab sent him to David. When Uriah came to him, David asked him how he was, how the soldiers were, how the war was going. Then David said to Uriah, go down to your house, wash your feet. So Uriah left the palace and the gift of the king was sent after him. But Uriah slept at the entrance to the palace with all of his master's servants and did not go down to his house. Because David had decided he was gonna cover up his actions, right? And the way to do that was bring Uriah home from war and have him go and sleep with his wife. It would look like his kid, done and done. But Uriah had too much character. He didn't act as if he wasn't subject to rules and to law. And he refused to go home as long as his men were at war. So eventually David has him killed in battle. David had covered his actions. Bathsheba moves into the palace, becomes one of David's wives, gives birth to David's son. And do you know why why we do this? Like cover up our mistakes at all costs? We do it to prop up our respectability, right? Because if we just admit that we screwed things up, if we admit we were wrong, if we admit, you know, we feel like, We feel like we lose respectability. If we cover up and nobody knows and it goes away, then then, then we maintain that. And listen, we associate consequences with being caught. That's what we do. That's what our whole legal system is based on. That's how we tend to operate at work, right? That if we get caught, that's the consequence. And then bad things happen. If we get away with it, there aren't any consequences. That's how we relate it in our mind. But that is a huge lie. There are consequences even if nobody ever finds out, right? Relationships are affected. Walls go up between people. Your family knows something is up because you're different. (laughs) And they say, what's wrong? What's wrong? Nothing. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Anybody ever give the, yeah, I'm fine when you're asked if you're okay? Has anybody ever actually been fine (laughs) when they've responded, I'm fine? (laughs) Like that's the universal, things are not okay. I'm just not gonna talk about it. Let's put some walls up right here. And what that is playing out is that is a decline in intimacy in the relationship. Because intimacy is, I want you to know me and love me as I truly am. But I don't really want you to know me as I truly am. And so I'm going to conceal. 
I'm going to conceal my mistakes. I'm going to conceal the things that maybe weren't mistakes. Maybe they were intentional and they were just wrong. I'm going to conceal where I messed up. I am going to conceal those things. And in my concealing, in an attempt to protect my respectability and what you think of me, I have traded off intimacy. And so many of us are driven by pride and fear to conceal. We want to avoid consequences. We want to attain that respectability. And it's damaging. It's damaging. But even when we successfully conceal, we damage the relationships around us. Even the relationships that have nothing to do with the area in which we were misbehaving. And it's because we sow the seeds of deceit. And when we sow them in one area, they are sowed inside of us and that overflows into every area. And that will manifest throughout our entire life. Here's the third thing that gets passed down to us. And that is this. That is the tendency to substitute financial support for emotional support. Um, Many of us think, and, you know, uh, as, as roles were more gender-specified in past generations, this was a big issue. But many of us think, if I maintain the circumstances in which my family lives, I have fulfilled my responsibility. That is, if I make sure my family has food and my family has shelter and they've got clothing, they have everything that I need, then I get an A and that's what's required of me. Anything beyond that is extra (laughs) and not required. And there's something inside of us that begins to shy away from the emotional aspect of family if we are fulfilling the physical needs of family. And if you look at David, it is unbelievable. And I really encourage you, we're not going to go through the whole story. I really encourage you to go and read what happens in his family after this. It, 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 is, it is unbelievable what happens. He essentially, David essentially makes sure that his kids have food and clothing and shelter, and that's it. That is it. David is probably the single most emotionally absent parent in the entire Bible. I mean, it is horrible. The, the, eventually, eventually, this is what it leads to. Eventually, one of his sons ends up raping his half-sister. And you know what David does about it? Nothing didn't even address it. Everybody's got food. Everybody's got shelter. Everybody's got clothing. That's the end of my responsibilities. That was David's approach. He didn't want to get into any of that ugly, emotional, messy stuff. So one of his other sons sees that David is doing nothing about that. And so he kills that brother and then flees for his life, leaves the country. You know what David did about that? Nothing. My kids have food, they have shelter, they have clothes. I'm good. He was emotionally absent. Eventually, Joab, who had been with David for a long time, 
talks David into bringing his son back out of exile that had killed his brother. But when he came back, do you know what David did with him? Nothing. He came back into Israel and David didn't even speak to him. Didn't even speak to him. Had nothing to do with him. Everybody's got food. The roof's not leaking. Nobody's naked. My job's done. I mean, honestly, one of the worst parents in the Bible. David is checked out emotionally. And all three of these instances, these things that he did, they are so obviously related to the seeds of deception that he sowed way back at the beginning in his relationship, forced relationship with Bathsheba. And it seems obvious to us, but in the moment, there was no connection to be made in the mind and David. But listen, there is a natural tendency in some of us because of the traditions that were passed down to us. The tendency is to make sure that our family and those around us, that they have all of the physical things that they need and they're doing okay. And then not to invest emotionally or relationally into those experiences and those relationships. And I cannot tell you how many people I've come across who are dealing with a a lack of relationship or emotional turmoil in their current families. And when I talk to them, they cannot remember a single time of their, and a lot of times because of the way the cultural roles were in past generations, they cannot remember a single time that their father told them that they loved them. Which seems crazy to me. My boys probably get annoyed with the amount of times that I tell them that. But that's not something that's been passed down. It's absolutely crazy. For some of us, that is a difficult thing to break. And it causes a wall between us. This is why, this is why, and I know, I know last week I'm like, okay, you gotta cheat somewhere. This is why it's so much easier to cheat family for work. Because work is so much easier than family. Right at work, you do your job, you collect your paycheck, you go home. Expectations are clear, the reward system is clear, the risk reward ratio is clear, right? Your boss is never going to come up to you and say, Look, I really feel like accounting needs some emotional support right now. You should probably spend some more time with them. Like, that's just not how that works, right? They need you right now, but you go home and everything is different, right? Everybody has gauges as to how they're doing emotionally. And the thing is, is that the gauges aren't obvious for us to see. You have to interpret reactions and the way people are acting and the things people are saying. And sometimes the things people aren't saying. And some of you are really good at picking up on the things people aren't saying. Some of you, me, are horrible at it. Unless somebody looks at me and says, this is wrong, I feel bad, <laughs> I'm probably gonna think everything's okay. And that's what makes family and relationships so much more difficult because everybody has, everybody has those things and you've gotta figure out if people are on full or empty when it comes to their emotional satisfaction gauge. 
And it's difficult because it pulls on something that we just are not naturally good at. And our model is to substitute that emotional support with financial support. That's the model that has been handed down. And sometimes when you do that, you feel good about it. I'm providing, I'm providing, I'm providing. Here's how you can know where you are with this particular one. When you get home, if you are more focused on controlling behavior in your household than you are on nurturing relationships, you're off balance in this. You're falling into the trap of this tradition. If you've gone down this road, you will control, try and control behavior. This is the way you should do things. This is the way you shouldn't do things. You don't behave around me. Don't stress this. Do this, 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 this. And you're controlled about how everybody is behaving. Because, because, because. What happens is we command our kids and we command our spouses rather than coach or have relationship with them because it is far easier to command than it is to coach. It's far easier, especially as a parent. You have a natural authority built in. You can lay down the law and they've got to follow it and there's nothing they can do about it. For now, that's going to lead to a lot of trouble down the road, but for now, and the reason we do that is because everybody, if everybody's behaving and everybody's doing exactly what they should do, then everything's good, right? <laughs> Nothing's wrong if everybody's doing the exact right thing. But people doing the right thing around you doesn't mean people are good with you. It doesn't mean the relationship's good. Most of the time, it just means they're afraid of you. And fear does not make for good relationships. So what happens is we command rather than coach. Instead of training, we punish, right? We don't nurture, we control. And you may be connecting this, you know, you may be hearing this and you're like, oh, I feel like I'm falling on the wrong side of that. That's me, how do I change? That's a, that's a great question. I'm glad you asked it. <laughs> it's an important question here on a Sunday morning. But that's a big question. And I can't answer that all sitting here on a Sunday morning. But here's a place to start. Here's a place to start. Use some sentences when you're with your family that start with these two words. I feel. I feel. Now, this is probably more difficult for some of you in the room than it is for others. Um, you know, stereotypically, uh, females are able to talk about feelings easier than males, partly because of some of these traditions that have been handed down from previous generations and the way men are supposed to act and supposed to handle emotions. But it's not exclusive. It can go either way. And if it's difficult, start with some basic sentences. I feel hungry. <laughs> I feel tired. Just start talking about I feel and then work your way up from there. But your family needs an emotional connection to you. They need to focus on relationship, not just proper behavior. And that's going to require a breaking of tradition for many of us. That means choosing not to stay late at work if you have a choice. 
That means choosing not to go on that trip at work if you have a choice. That means when there's a choice between watching television and spending time with your family, you choose family. And this can be uncomfortable for many of us, but this is a tradition that needs to be broken within families. And wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great if we could recognize the beginning of us headed down this path instead of getting to the end of the path with a whole bunch of broken relationships and realizing it then? Right? If we could recognize the temptation triggers or the thoughts and behaviors that lead us into upholding these three negative things that are handed down to it, wouldn't it be nice if there wasn't the need to cover up every mistake that you made? Wouldn't that be freeing? Knowing that you're allowed to make a mistake and people are still gonna love you and accept you? If we could be honest about our shortcomings? If we could say, I'm not gonna pass that down to my kids, making them feel like they've got to cover up every mistake. Wouldn't it be great if we learned to connect relationally and set up healthy foundations, not just for our families, but for our future family? And all of these things are possible. But you have to first recognize them in your life and admit that they are a tradition or something that has been handed down to you or modeled for you that you are following. Call it for what it is. Begin to make the conscious decision to break away from those traditions. Will it be easy? No. Can you do it? Yeah. Is it worth it? <laughs> yeah. More than you can imagine. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I I hope that of all the things that we've talked about throughout this year in our Sunday School series with the entertaining flannel graph board, that, Father, these last couple weeks, I really hope this comes to define the culture of relationship and family of the people who are part of this church. God, let us spend time thinking about the negative traditions and actions that have been handed down to us from possibly our family or that culture is pushing on us that we are falling into that are causing issues in our relationships. Because Lord, I believe if I were to have a conversation with each person here, they want good relationship with their family. Lord, help them to see the things that are working against that. Lord, I thank you that you modeled the right way and the wrong way for us in Scripture, that we are able to see and to recognize these things in our life. Lord, give us the wisdom to see these things and then the courage to make the adjustments necessary. Lord, I thank you for your mercy and for your grace. In your name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being out. Look forward to next week uh, as we continue on in our Sunday School series.